1: The premier podcast for all things
0: Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown. Brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Dustin Hawkinsmith and Johnny McGonigal. Welcome
1: in, it's the Blue White Breakdown brought to you by Penn State Health. Dustin Hawkinsmith here with Johnny McGonigal for the final time of Penn State's 2022 regular season. Blink and you missed the season, Johnny. Now we have Michigan State coming to Beaver Stadium for Senior Day and and all that. Obviously, a lot to talk about on the bowl front as well. Just trying to figure out where Penn State might be going. We got a little movement on that this week. And uh, I think a couple little recruiting items that are worth mentioning here as well, uh, including a visitor coming up for, for the game against Michigan State. But what are your initial thoughts? First of all, against with this Michigan State team, it is a just like Maryland. I think it's just a weird team because if the best version shows up, they can be tough, they can be competitive. But I see a Michigan State team that uh, I don't want to say they're they're poorly coached or anything, but they're they're losing in a lot of key situations, like third down and red zone, and uh, time of possession is is real low. Like they're having a hard time sustaining drives. But it is still especially. You know the green and white and what they've been able to do against Penn State over the over recent seasons. It's still not a game you take for granted.
0: No, not at all. I mean, yeah, like you said, there's there's a lot to be covered on this podcast. But let's start with with the game, right? You know, we'll, we'll start with the actual game that's being played on Saturday. And I, I also see it as a weird one. Uh, you know, look, could Penn State go out there and? kind of just big brother them a little bit. And I, I know the Michigan State fans are a little sensitive about the whole big brother <laughs> thing. So, you know, it really felt like against Rutgers uh, and Maryland the last, you know, two weeks that Penn State kind of like, they just kind of, you know, sat on them and slapped them in the face a few times. we just kind of, you know, messing with them a little bit. Uh, whereas, you know, this Michigan State team, they can certainly do that to them, especially if, they, if they've given up because we don't know what Michigan State team is going to show up after they lost to Indiana last week. Uh, in overtime, they're five and six. You know, are they going to play for a bowl game? Do do some of those guys want to keep playing this season? This is kind of a not necessarily a gut check game because maybe that was last week for them. But uh, it's an opportunity for them to come out and, and try and upset a Penn State team that uh, in the past they've you know they've been able to have success against. And so uh, I'm interested to see what kind of Penn State team we see. You know, is this a is this a game they just want to get in, get out, get healthy, and, and you know? Uh, just grind out a win. Are they are they interested in trying to push the push the envelope a little bit and and try and you know what is it an eighteen point spread, Dustin? So I think it's going to be a little closer than that, but I could see it going either way. Really, either way is in as in a Penn State big win or a small win. I think Penn State wins regardless.
1: Yeah, I I don't I don't see Michigan State coming in and and uh, getting an upset out of this. Although Thanksgiving weekend is always tough. Like, I don't know what the crowd and what the energy is going to look like, but it is encouraging from Penn State's vantage point that they have been so effective. They have been able to close the door so swiftly against Indiana, against Minnesota, even going back. Uh, against Maryland and then against Rutgers too, you know they were slow out of the gates last weekend, but they kind of showed their dominance there i like I liked all the big brother talk like the only thing that you missed was like a wedgie or a
0: swirly or something that they
1: didn 't give Rutgers in that game but well what i was what I was thinking
0: there what I was thinking <laughs> there is you know with the holidays are coming up, and uh Christmas story, which um you know is is a personal favorite of mine when Ralphie just kind of sits on the bully and just starts pounding him in the face like that 's kind of what Penn State, that's what they've done the last few weeks. And so that's kind of what was going through my head.
1: Yeah, and I think um, there's a chance of that. There's also, I I just feel like, um, you know, if Penn State were to have issues with their motivation or have issues with their preparation, I feel like we would have seen it by now. I mean, knock on wood, I suppose, but uh, I I like where they stand going into this one. Um, They haven't even had a fully healthy lineup and they've been able to take care of these teams. And I think Michigan State is, Maybe, you know, better than most of those teams, but still, you know, I can't get it out of my head that last week, Michigan State against Indiana, Indiana completed two passes in that game. Everybody knew what was going on, and they had um their, their who, he came in late, I forget the, the kid, Dexter Williams, I think the kid's name is. Yeah. And they, they just weren't, he was like two out of seven passing, not even interested so much in that. And uh, give up a big lead when everybody in the stadium knows what's coming. Everybody knows what Indiana's doing. It doesn't bode well for a game like this one where Penn State can beat you in a bunch of different ways and including uh that that ground game which I think will be a big factor in this one.
0: For sure, yeah, it's 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 been the identity of this Penn State offense and uh really this team throughout this run recently uh is being able to play really good defense and you know be strong, you know, sudden change if there are turnovers. Be strong in the red zone defensively. Penn State is one of the best red zone touchdown conversion rates allowed in the country. I believe they're fifth or sixth, uh, which is, you know, again, a testament to Manny Diaz, his first year as defensive coordinator, the job that he's done and uh and the defensive players that have, you know, really taken to that. So that's defensively, and then offensively, they've just been able to run the ball really, um, you know, however they however they want and to whoever they want. You know, Catron Allen was the co freshman of the week in the Big Ten uh this past week seven days after Nick Singleton did it, you know, these guys are, are both having a lot of success and in different ways. And uh, you talk about the freshman wall and the proverbial freshman wall that, you know, guys sometimes hit when they just, you know, in their first year in college and they're, you know, in, in November, especially in big 10 play and all that, these guys have just continued to get stronger and stronger as the years, as the year has gone on. And uh, I would expect that again. And that's one of those where, I could see this game being relatively close uh, going into the you know third quarter and fourth quarter, but I just think Allen and Singleton, those two guys, the way that they've been running recently, uh, behind a makeshift offensive line, credit to them as well, and the tight ends who have been blocking well. I just think that, that that's going to be overwhelming. It's going to be too much for Michigan State to handle.
1: Yeah, and I think the cool thing about this, this, this um, duo is that style-wise, if, if something's not working or another, the other guy does something a little bit different. You know, we we've seen you can't really forecast. It's tough to forecast who's going to get more carries, who's going to start. Uh, and I think they like it that way. You know, I think sometimes when you have a group of of four running backs, and you're trying to get them all involved, it can get convoluted in the strategy and how you divvy things up and how you keep them all happy. And but in this case, it's not riding the hot hand so much. I think it's just you know both of these guys do something a little different, and they've been very very effective at what they do. So the way they've been managing them and getting the most out of them, and I think a lot of credit to their preparedness and just their, their mentality coming in as true freshmen and not really behaving like true freshmen has been a big deal. And I think they get a lot of credit, like obviously the offensive line and, and next man up has been a big deal, but it's a little easier when it's these two guys running behind you to, to go makeshift up front. They can make, they can make something and this is what they haven't had for two years, two years prior to this is somebody who can make up for a missed block or make up for the fact that there's not a lot of running room. They haven't, they didn't have these guys with that kind of ability. So um, I wouldn't expect much to change as far as that goes on Saturday.
0: Yeah. James Franklin after the Rutgers game. and, And he said this throughout the season and even in the off season and the preseason that, Guys like Singleton and Allen are erasers. That's a term he likes to use a lot. Uh, you guys who, even if the blocking isn't there necessarily, and even when it is, you know, they take advantage of their opportunities that whether they're given or that they create themselves and th- they can erase what would be maybe a negative play. And I, I do think though, even across the board with this freshman class, and we've talked about it before, but it's not just Allen and Singleton that are erasers. I mean, Abdul Carter is an eraser. You know, you know Sean, um, excuse me, uh, I almost said Sean Clifford. Uh, we're going to talk about him in senior day. But, you know, Drew Aller in the time that he's been on the field, you know, has, has played well. Zane Durant, denied Dennis Sutton, these these true freshmen have just made such a great contribution. And you look at and, and it, this year has been so big for their development and so big for the future and what 2023 might bring. But uh, I, I guess on the flip side, I you know, maybe it was just a Freudian slip just getting to the seniors when I mentioned Sean you know, this season has meant a lot to them too. And and you look at, um, you know, what they have, what they're on the cusp of right now is a 10 win season. If they're able to beat Michigan state and the possibility of a, you know, a new year six bowl game, which, you know, speaking to PJ Mustafer here, we're recording this on Wednesday afternoon and speaking to him earlier this morning about the, you know, how much it would mean to him, uh, to get a 10 win season. I think it means a lot to the older guys and really everyone in the program that you know, everyone has contributed to this, but For a guy like PJ, who you know committed back in August of 2017, you know after Penn State won the Big Ten title, he saw what success looked like at Penn State, and you know they had 11 wins in 2019, and he was a big part of that. Uh, But really, the last two seasons have been disappointing for. Everyone around the program, everyone who who's watched the program, imagine how it feels to be a guy like PJ Mustafer who got hurt last year. And uh that was a part of the reason why the 2021 season fell apart the way it did. And uh so I think for him, for Clifford, for Jonathan Sutherland, for these guys who have been around so so long, uh the senior day is gonna have an extra added meaning in terms of what they what they're able to achieve um, you know, on Saturday against Michigan State.
1: Another reason I I kind of like them to show up. You know, I think the way the last two years have gone and and these veterans have been there through all of it. And as you're talking, 2019 really feels like it was about a decade ago, doesn't
0: it? I mean, yeah, I was in 2019. I was getting ready to cover the quick lane bowl pit against Eastern Michigan in Detroit. So 2019 is, is, is a long time ago. Um, it it feels like, it feels like a while ago. Yeah. I, you know, looking back on some of those pictures, I, I wrote a story, um, for Sean uh, on Sean Clifford this week and, you know, picking out the photo to go with the story. I'm just looking through and scrolling through and I went all the way back to the cotton bowl and I mean, his, he, he's got a baby face, you know, compared to what he is now. He's, uh, and, and a lot of these guys would too. I mean, Jair Brown wasn't even on the team in 2019. He was at Lackawanna. Uh, So a lot of these guys, whether they've been around for that 2019 success or, you know, they saw it, they transfer in as older guys uh, and they want to get it for themselves. I mean, there's a lot to be played for this weekend. And and like you, like you said, and I agree with it, Dustin, that, you know, these guys are going to show up on Saturday. Um, It's just a matter of what version of Michigan State shows up.
1: Yeah. Uh, you you saw Sean Clifford this week have a pretty lengthy James Franklin-esque opening statement to his media session uh, thanking people and, you know, to me, like, I'm impressed by that because I think there's a lot of people in the Penn State fan base who don't deserve to be thanked by a guy like him, who have given him a lot of criticism and stuff like that over the years. How do you think he's going to be received senior day? I mean, and, and you start to think about his legacy, you know, like the the leading passer in Penn State program history, but everybody kind of understanding and knowing that that was a volume stat. You know, you start for four years. It's something that I don't think anybody else has really done at Penn State. But I do think, is it going to be a forced applause or is there going to be some degree of appreciation like this guy's been through it here and and he deserves some recognition,
0: you know, especially the way that he's battled against criticism as well? Yeah, I think it'll be received well. And I don't necessarily think It'll be forced. Um, You know, at at the same time, too, I'm sure that Sean Clifford coming out and having an opening statement to his media, you know, availability and thanking the fans well in advance. And James Franklin at his press conference saying, hey, I hope uh, these seniors get recognized the way they should. I mean, that kind of plants the seed a little bit like, hey, like, don't, you know, (laughs) don't 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 be that guy. Like, don't don't boo someone during uh, senior day uh, announcements. And so. I think that might have a little bit of a role in it, but I think too that, you know, the fans can see, you know, again, like what he is given in terms of a, you know, in terms of the time in the program and how he's always, he's represented, you know, the, the team well. And uh, and internally too, you know, has the respect of his teammates and as a captain, I mean, that matters a lot. And so I think Sean Clifford and, and the rest of these seniors will be recognized well on Saturday. And that's another thing too is, uh, you know, will we see Drew Aller if if things get out of hand or, you know, will James Franklin just let we'll let Sean Clifford kind of ride this out? You know, it's his last game at uh, Beaver Stadium. And I I wouldn't uh, blame him if, you know, if the, the spread is covered uh, well in advance and and well in hand, if, you know, Sean Clifford just gets to ride this thing out or maybe he get you know, he gives him a little bit of a curtain call opportunity. But we'll, we'll you know, we're getting ahead of ourselves there. It'll be interesting, though. It'll be interesting. My ears will be open, uh, you know, during uh, during these pregame ceremonies and during the starter announcements and all that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, I think there's a couple things worth recognizing there. First of all, you'll probably see an additional senior or, or, or a few seniors listed in the starting lineup just to give them that um, recognition. There, I'm always kind of watching. And James Franklin likes to preface it with saying, you know, we err on the side of the caution and, and recognizing a guy if he's not sure yet what he's doing with his future. But I'm always curious if guys like Juice Scruggs or Curtis Jacobs or, you know, a, a, a huge number of guys who have either a fifth year or even a COVID year left, if they're coming back and just looking at whether they're listed or not in senior day festivities as a, a little bit of a breadcrumb, not something that you, you know... Um, is definitive by any means, but I'm always curious, like, is there, is there anybody on your list that you're really looking to see, you know, are, are, are you, or aren't you being recognized on senior day when you can't come back?
0: Yeah. Well, look, the, here are the guys who will be recognized. We know for sure that, you know, took advantage of that extra COVID year and are done. So Sean Clifford, Jair Brown, PJ Mustafer, uh, Crystal, the long snapper, Jonathan Sutherland, Mitchell Tinsley, the Western Kentucky transfer and Barney Moore. Uh, The punter, those guys are out of eligibility, will be recognized this weekend. A few of the guys that I'm interested to see whether or not because you know who have eligibility in 2023 and you know should or probably could come back, and whether it's improve their stock or just you know again have make contributions to this team. Uh, guys I'm keeping an eye on Hunter Had already announced that he's coming back, so that's you know they're good there. But Jake Pinnaker, you know, Juice Scruggs, you mentioned Nick Tarburn. Uh, Bryce Efner, and then you're looking at even I don't know, like a Keaton Ellis, or you know a Johnny Dixon, you know again has has eligibility, but you know guys who could be recognized on senior day, and then they figure it out. I mean, Sean Clifford was recognized last year, and and he ended up coming back, so we'll see, we'll see. I, I think one to keep an eye, like again, the, the offensive line is just something to keep an eye on because Drew Shelton has gotten a lot of really good time, but if you are losing potentially. Uh, Olu Fashanu to the NFL. Uh, you have Norzad coming back and Teguwal coming off an injury, but if you lose Scruggs, who's been I really think one of the unsung heroes of this team uh, this year at center, he's been you know for the most part really good. Uh, and then Bryce Effner has you know filled in at right tackle. If you lose those guys, if they decide you know what, like whether they're going to test the NFL waters or they're just kind of they're done with the college game, then then those are those would be tough guys to lose. I think especially Scruggs, but. But yeah, those are those are two. Those are a few that stand out to me.
1: See how it unfolds, but I do think how promising the roster kind of looks in 2023 is an interesting tiebreaker for guys who can't decide. And I think Bryce Efner's is in an interesting position because I, I don't think he's jumping to the NFL or anything. If he's done with football, then so be it. Juice Scruggs, I'm not really sure how much heat he has as an NFL prospect. You know, I don't know how how appealing that opportunity is going to be. So I do feel like there's. You know, quite a few guys who can leave, who view 2023 as maybe uh, uh, an opportunity to play for something much bigger than they've played for in their in their career. So we'll see. This is the Blue White Breakdown. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Everyone's journey is different, and we are honored to guide you to the best relationship with this incredible plant. Have questions? Google Cureleaf PA or stop by one of our 18 locations across the Commonwealth. Both scenarios. You, I, I know you, you put something up, a, a little rooting guide. The key moment really this week in terms of, of that is just looking at where LSU, Alabama, and Tennessee are in the college football playoff rankings. And the fact that they're all ahead of Penn State kind of makes it difficult. You know, they're going to need some chaos yet for, for them to um, play their way into a New Year's Six game. But it's possible. And if it's not a New Year's Six game, there's still a a better destination. No offense, Detroit than Detroit in in January December.
0: Yeah, Dustin. I, I went through and I, you know, after seeing Tennessee being ranked tenth, uh, one spot ahead of Penn State by the CFP committee, you know there was a lot of chatter online about just you know the, the near sixth possibility and you know hey is an Orange Bowl or Cotton Bowl still in play? And so I just decided let's let's lay this thing out, let's flesh it out and and get into it so you can read. That whole story on PennLive.com, but just an abridged version, essentially right now, as it stands, uh, you know, if TCU, USC both win out, they'll go to the playoff with Georgia and the winner of Ohio State, Michigan. Um, that would leave Penn State out of the Rose Bowl. And then you've got teams like right now, LSU, Alabama, uh, and Tennessee taking the bowl slots of the Sugar Bowl, which is, you know, an SEC tie-in. Uh, the Orange Bowl, which is the highest-ranked Big Ten or SEC team, or Notre Dame, uh, and then the Cotton Bowl, which is an at-large uh, spot against the Group of Five's highest highest-ranked champion. And so, those three SEC teams taking those spots would leave Penn State on the outside, looking in on the New Year Six. Put them in the Citrus Bowl, uh, where they would most likely play an Old Miss, which is still a good game. Like nothing to scoff at, nothing to get down in the dumps about. Uh, but there, there are scenarios in which Penn State can wiggle their way into the New Year Six. The Rose Bowl is an opportunity if Ohio State and Michigan uh, both make the playoff, which I think is more likely than people are kind of making it out to be at this point. Uh, given that USC still has to play Notre Dame and a ranked team in the Pac-12 title game, in that defense, uh, while the turnovers have you know kind of unsustainable, and so I don't I don't know if that defense can hold up in back-to-back games against really good teams. Uh, and TCU, you know, could lose, and so a lot of things can still happen there. Uh, and then in terms of the Cotton Bowl and, and the Orange Bowl, you're looking at scenarios where and maybe Tennessee loses the Vanderbilt this weekend without Hendon Hooker or maybe LSU only a 10 point favorite uh, at Texas A&M. Uh, maybe the, the Aggies can pull the upset and ruin LSU's uh, chances of going to a New Year's Six Bowl game or even a national title. I mean, if they or uh, excuse me, the playoff, if they beat Georgia, which isn't going to happen. So a lot of a lot of moving parts um, and a lot more than. Uh, I'm, you know, we're both willing to just, you're willing to just hear me read my article like out loud. Uh, so (laughs) go read that if you haven't already, but a lot of moving parts for Penn state this weekend is a big one. And so is a conference championship weekend.
1: It would be compelling to have you literally just read an article on, on a podcast
0: just reading time I'll, I'll get out some tea and uh you know you know gather everyone around and yeah it'd be it'd be great I'm sure I'm sure that's great podcasting that that will go over very well
1: <laughs> St- story time on the on the blue white <laughs> breakdown will be fun yeah so I mean the the most likely scenario is Penn State is left out but you know crazier things have happened you know with seasons on the line the final week of the regular season uh the playoff committee really had a hard time. Uh, I think taking a team that they had ranked number one and that had, well, they I think two top ten wins at at the time, you know, when when they played them. I get it, you know, quantitatively. There's one thing I think Tennessee has an edge there. Qualitatively is interesting because they should be taking Hendon Hooker's season ending injury into account as well. But maybe this just thinking that might take care of itself if 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 they're really not better than number ten. Maybe they lose this weekend and, it, and we don't have to worry about that. But I don't think there's a, a big grievance to be had. I think if you're Penn State sitting at number 11 and ha- having Tennessee at number 10, their resume's better.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree a hundred percent. And I, I get where there's some frustration, you know, there was hope that Tennessee would be behind Penn State, especially. And again, I know a lot of Penn State fans who were holding out that hope will wave the, the Hendon hooker card around and say, Hey, that's, that's why they should be behind. But then it's like, okay, well, should Tennessee just be dropped to like 15 or 16, because they're starting quarterbacks out. I mean, they still went out and their resume is still better. And I think there's a balance there that has to be struck. And when you look at Tennessee and what they did, they blew out LSU, which I think LSU is a little, is still ranked a little high right now. You know, I don't know how they're ahead of USC, to be honest with you. You know, they beat LSU, they beat Alabama. That's better than anything Penn State has on its resume, Dustin. We know that. And Penn State's best win this year is against Minnesota. I mean, maybe, at, I mean, you know, narratively at Auburn, but Auburn's not good. So that that's, you know, I think it's pretty, you know, cut and dry and pretty clear. Um, one thing to keep an eye on, and, and I know that some Penn State fans have been worried about this, would be, hey, if the Orange Bowl ends up opening up, say the things happen in the SEC that you need them to happen, that maybe if Notre Dame were to beat USC, that they would jump Penn State in the rankings at nine and three, but they beat USC and all that. I don't think the committee would do that. I, I don't think they would put a nine and three Notre Dame team ahead of a ten and two Penn State team. That's just where I'm at on that. But I, I get the concern there too. There's so many moving parts, and and that's why you know again, aside from just this game this weekend, because we're focused on that. But there there's so much to keep in mind when you know watching college football this weekend and then next weekend conference championship weekend. So yeah, and also Penn State fans, you should be rooting for Michigan this weekend because if Michigan beats Ohio State, Ohio State's resume. As an eleven and one team with a win over Notre Dame, in terms of getting two Big Ten teams in the playoff, would be better than Michigan's eleven and one resume. Just a just a heads up,
1: a more appealing loser than than uh, Michigan. I I I subscribe. I, I get that. I see that. Um, I think I think they're they're the better eleven and one candidate. Uh, but you're also assuming now that whoever wins that one can win the colossal showdown in the Big Ten championship game uh, against the Big Ten West winner. Are you scared of Spencer Petras, Dustin? Are you scared of Spencer Petras? I don't. I. I. I truly. I don't think. I. If. If I'm a defensive coordinator, I don't think I've ever been less scared of a quarterback than than that. I mean, I. I can't. I can't think of many. Put it that way.
0: He's. Yeah. He's. He, th- that whole offense. I don't want to put it all on on a kid like that and a quarterback when you know nepotism is breeding 100%. whatever the hell they got going on out at Iowa. It's insane to me that Brian Ferrens is their offensive coordinator. Well, when when one man becomes bigger than anybody else, that one man can do whatever
1: whatever he wants, uh, and that's that's the big guy, Kirk. If you're Iowa, would you, with pride, in in your 2023 football media guide, put Big Ten West champions in there? I know they're going to, but would you be able to look at yourself in the mirror and feel good about that if you bragged about it in your in your media
0: guide? I mean, I I guess. That that is that is their kind of motive every year is to just win the West and, and get to the Big Ten Championship, which isn't a bad thing for a program like that if you're Iowa. And I guess any any way you get it done, look their defense and special teams are phenomenal. Like they're great. Kudos. Hat hat to them. That offense is unwatchable. Absolutely unwatchable. I remember last year, Dustin, when I was ranking uh Iowa, I guess slightly lower than what, you know, Iowa fans would have liked, um, you know, went back when they were up to like two, three, four in the country. And I was ranking them lower. And my reasoning was like, I just can't watch this offense. It's so bad. And they're going to lose, you know, as soon as they come up against a team with a real offense, they really should have lost that Penn State game. Again, if if Sean Clifford didn't get hurt, they lose that game by two touchdowns. But yeah. And then, you know, Iowa showed its colors last year. So
1: it all points to the Big Ten can't get rid of divisions fast enough. Like enough is enough. Like this, it's always been that way East versus West and all that, but this has been the ugliest year of the big 10 West division. Typically you have, you know, either Wisconsin or maybe Iowa clearly better than the rest. Nobody's better than the rest in this group.
0: The the one thing about getting rid of divisions though, is how often are we going to see the land grant trophy be passed around? Because if they get rid of, not if, when they get rid of divisions and, ucla and usc uh join the party are they going to do a pod system that seems to make sense where you have you know whether it's on a rotational basis you know or not you have like one rival that you play every year two rivals however they figure it out they got to make sure penn state plays michigan state every year so that land grant trophy that beautiful piece of wood uh can continue to pass uh between the teams year in year out right that beautiful
1: two-ton piece of wood yeah i think um I feel like Penn State, Michigan State might be have some degree of um, rivalry protection, just because they're they're so comparable, uh, the universities and athletic programs, and just from top to bottom. I feel like that that is one game that the Big Ten might protect,
0: and it's one of those of your Penn State. You know, given how this 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 is all going to kind of shake out, I'm sure you have athletic directors in Kevin Warren's ear saying. Hey, I want to protect this game. Yo, look, Ohio State, Michigan, like that should be protected. That should be played every year. If you're Penn State, why would you actively protect any of these games that they play other than maybe say like, hey, we have a really big rivalry with Maryland, Rutgers and Indiana. We would love to play them every year. I mean, if you're Ohio, if, if you're Penn State, I get the appeal. And, and, you know, if you're a fan, you want to see them play Ohio State and Michigan. But if you're James Franklin or you're Pat Kraft, like why would you actively say like, yeah, I want to play Ohio State every year? No, that does your your team and your program a disservice in in terms of getting in the playoff and all those good things. So it'll be interesting to see. I think Michigan State is one that that could, you know, that that's like a good, happy medium. If you're Penn State, you know, hey, like, let's keep playing this and let's keep seeing that land grant trophy, baby, that beautiful piece of wood. Uh, we've seen it a lot and we will see it
1: post game our, our the great Joe Hermit will get new updated pictures of the land grant trophy, which will look like the same land grant trophy that we saw in 1995. So there's that
0: I can't uh, one last
1: thing and, and we'll quickly go go through these um, recruiting tidbits. Number one, I think we have seen we've seen Penn State start to express more interest in a wide receiver in either the 23 class or in the transfer portal. I know there were some sort of uh, some tidbits out there about what they're exploring in the, in the portal. And losing uh Shakir from the 2023 class, there's a noticeable void there. Um, there are finalists for Tysir Denmark in the 24 class. I didn't realize that in his 24-7 sports crystal ball, um, Oregon and Ohio State both have picks. Penn State has none. He's a Philadelphia kid. And then lastly, I want to get your viewpoint on how uh how meaningful it is to have Rodney Gallagher, who great athlete um from Pennsylvania, who's committed to West Virginia and maybe seeing the turbulence down there. You get him back on campus while he's committed someplace else. How significant do you think that is?
0: Yeah, it's pretty significant, especially uh, he's committed to West Virginia and considering the state of West Virginia athletics right now with their athletic director stepping down. Neil Brown seems dead in the water at this point. And in terms of his job security with the Mountaineers, this is an opportunity for Penn State, you know, bring him on campus. Wow. And he is from he's from the Pittsburgh area at Laurel Highlands. I actually went to one of his basketball games, one of their, uh, I think it was the uh, Whipple basketball games last year, uh, just to check him out because, you know, our, our high school reporter at the Post Gazette when I was working there was like, hey, this kid's really good. And if he went to Pitt because he was uncommitted at that point, uh, you know, he's a guy to keep an eye on. He's super fast. I mean, he is just incredibly getting up and down the floor. I can only imagine what he's like, you know, on the football field. You know, I haven't seen him play in person, but he is one of those guys that. Uh, in in your class, you would take that speed all day, every day. Uh, and after losing a guy like Shakir in your class, that opens up a spot. Uh, yeah, they'll look in the portal. Uh, they're looking to get Denmark in in 2024 if they can. You know, Ohio State is hot after him as well. But Ronnie Gallagher is certainly one to keep an eye on this weekend. And uh, you know, Terry Smith, uh, he he recruits that Pittsburgh area so well, uh, and has so many ties uh, to that area. So we'll see if uh, we'll see if he can get it done. If you weren't
1: open to the sales pitch, he wouldn't be coming back to Penn State while committed elsewhere. So definitely worth watching there. And it does feel like, number one, uh, the, the the early signing day is coming very quickly. It doesn't feel like it because you're in season. You're not thinking about this stuff so much, but it's coming fast. Seems like Penn State has a little room here in the 23 class and maybe some potential to pull some other surprises down the stretch. We'll see. Uh, we'll shift gears and look at that in in future episodes here. For now, that's Johnny McGonagle. I'm Dustin with for, for the Blue White Breakdown. These podcasts are available pretty much everywhere where you get podcasts. And then penlive.com slash Penn State Football is the place for stories, analysis. Uh, Johnny's bowl guide that he mentioned earlier. Check it out there. Thanks for tuning in. And we'll see you next time here on the Blue White Breakdown. This has been the Blue White Breakdown brought to you by Live.